Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline, and today we're talking about what makes a good RPG. What makes a good RPG? Good question, Julie. I think there's a couple things that are real important about what is a good RPG. For me, there's two things for me: setting and rules. There's a bunch of other stuff I I thought about including maybe flavor. Don't don't, don't say it. <laughs> flavor. <laughs> oh, how about uh, what is another? Uh, I don't know another word that quite matches that. The feel of the game. No? Anyway, she doesn't like the word flavor, but there it is. So, but we're not talking about flavor. We're talking about setting and rule. And you think setting is the most important? I think setting is the most important. Well, yes. explain to me what that means. Well, for example, some games that I really like the setting of are Shadowrun, Dark Conspiracy, which is sort of a Call Cthulhu ripoff, sort of, but not really. I wouldn't say that. No? No. Well, it's in the horror genre, so a lot of people will give it that. Uh, it's not Call Cthulhu, or it's trying to be Call Cthulhu. Um, not really, because it's totally different. Okay, 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 fine. Cyberpunk and Space Opera. So you like dystopian stuff. Oh, well, Space Opera wasn't dystopian. It was just a science fiction game. I'm giving examples of, of games that I thought had really nice or interesting settings. Rich settings that were, one intrigued me enough to make me buy those games i mean there's a lot of games out there that i haven't bought because the according setting... to my bookshelves that's not true <laughs> no, those are my bookshelves and there's a, you know if you go to there's a it's huge okay. amount of role-playing games that i really don't own in print. <laughs> in print the setting is real important i could throw out a bunch of other ones uh Skion is an interesting setting for me obviously the setting is important because once they opened up the, what was it, the D20 license? Right. You got all of those IP settings also. like Right. And even maybe even before that, because I know there was a Star Trek and a Star Wars game before that. But Star Trek and Star Wars are very important settings. And people that like those will really want to play role-playing games based in that world. Correct. Right. Exactly. And then that's what I'm talking about. You're right. I tried to stay away from like intellectual properties because people love those outside of role-playing, right? And so when you go and look at those games, I think most people are willing to overlook the second part, which is rules, to be just to be able to play in that setting. Now, there's only been, oh, actually, there's been three sets of rules for Star Wars. There was the the D6 version by, I forget the name of the company, WEG. Uh, I forget what it is. But they, they, they had D6 version in the 80s, I guess. And they sold really well. I don't know. And they lost the license and they went to... Wizards of the Coast, who made a D20 version, uh, which I own, actually, and played with that version when they came out with a 4th edition. So they called it, the I forget, Star Wars. But they came out with a 4th a, a edition version of it. And, uh, and people didn't really like it that much, but they were willing to play it because it was Star Wars. And then Edge of the Empire came out, which is done by Fantasy Flight. That's the Funky Dice System. And that was actually pretty good. I, I actually like that system. It's a little weird, but... So you've gone from setting to rules because you just talked about all the different versions with their kind of different rules. Right, right. Well, the setting is to me is real important because that's what's going to attract you to the game. A space opera, if you want to play any kind of space game, or now they have Firefly, right? Oh, yeah. Well, There's a game. Firefly. Well, it's called, yeah, Firefly, yes. Or is it called Serenity? There's two, actually. Okay, there you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> by two different companies. And of course, there's other space games like Traveler, which has right. been around a long time. Forever. And there's some newer ones. There's a, So there's all kinds of different space so games. So that's what you mean by setting. Right. The, the world, the universe. So for me, I was thinking about about how important it is to like the setting. So everything about the setting usually is what you like. You know, that's what usually makes you buy a game. Hardly ever do you buy a game simply because the rule set is fantastic. Though some people do that. I'm not saying they don't. Well, when you are looking at the game, are you going to read the rules first or the setting? I mean, in the store when you're going to buy it. Yeah, I think what attracts you is definitely the setting to me because uh, well, also the art, and the art is kind of intermixed with the setting, right? Usually, because if the setting and the art of the book don't quite match, sometimes it doesn't work very well. But for me, for like space opera, terrible art, right? Because it was in 19, well, I want to say terrible art, but very simplistic, very old-fashioned art. I mean, much better than uh, what the art from the original Dungeons & Dragons little books that was drawn by seemingly a fifth, fifth grader sometimes. It may have actually been, but, <laughs> yeah, but I don't but, think that's a bad thing. No, no, no. But it, you know, it got the it got the point across, right? It still lit people's minds on fire. That was to just play the, the beginning game. of it, though. That right. was that was why. I mean, it was a shoestring budget, right? Yeah. Gary Gygax wasn't a, a millionaire to make a game, so he couldn't get Boris Vallejo to uh, do the art for it and you know, make these huge print books that were beautiful. But now if you talk to, like, when we talk to Christopher about the, about the Black Void, right. one of his, his most important things for him is the art. As, right. And, and he actually hires people to do it. And I know that art is, a, is very important to lots of people because that draws them into the, to the, to the setting, as you would say. Right. Well, specifically, I, and I think that is the way most RPGs that are being made these days are where they're trying to... I don't know what, what you call it because... You don't want to use the word entice? Well, no, no. I was, yeah, entice, but uh, it's like the problem with that is that it's very expensive, right? These people yes. who are artists, you know, the whole idea, oh, I'm going to pay you with exposure, you know, that kind of crap. That That's doesn't not, work. Right. You know, I can't eat with exposure. I can't pay my house bill with exposure. So when you make that commitment, you're, you're going to sink a lot of money already. And some people don't have that kind of money to sink into it. Or, you know, when you go to Kickstarter, it's like... Art is important with Kickstarter because that's one of the things that draws the person's eye to your project, right? right. So that could be one of the reasons that a lot of these um, newer games have such good art. Right, right. And some people, you know, have can uh, can attract a lot of people in Kickstarter because just because of their name, like Monty Cook, like Monty Cook can start a Kickstarter and. And because he's so well known, and he probably make a lot of money off Kickstarter, and he or like I said, he's already well known. He knows artists, and he and his books are really pretty. I mean, the art's fantastic. Uh, other people who are just starting out don't have those kind of connections and don't have that name recognition, so they really have to like, you know, they find an, a starving artist, I guess, and they're like, hey, can you, you know, I don't know, how, I, don't, I honestly, I don't know how it works, but you can, can you do me a solid and like. Work with me on this game, or sometimes it's even like somebody I, who. I, I'll just give you as an example for our <laughs> podcast, all because we have artist friend who did the art for the the actually a couple of them. Jim, his art is absolutely fantastic. Oh yeah, and that's the one that we have on Podbean and 
the Facebook when you put it out. And one of our banners, and then your friend Mike also did the art for one of our banners. Right, one of our banners, and we used that for the episodes. I call uh, it recently, the Recently, he actually commissioned his daughter to do one, which is absolutely beautiful. I haven't even got it. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I really liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. So art is for someone like us that can't really pay people, or we would have to pay them a very small amount of money. Right. If you have friends that are artists, that helps, right? Right. Oh, yeah. But for big things, if you're actually going to put something out, you would want to pay the people, so you would have to get the money to pay them, right? Right, right. And I think, uh, or like a lot of a lot of artists who are also gamers, like Jim, if he was interested in writing and co-writing a game, then it would have his art, right? And he could, and if you know, he's and it would be excellent, and so, it'd be yeah, really nice. Yeah. I mean, we really like it, but other people, you know, art is what is it? Uh, it's all subjective. Subjective, but the art would be pretty cool. Right, no matter what, I can't imagine anybody not liking it. If you don't have that that friend, or you don't have somebody who's helping you write the game, you're kind of stuck with having. To you're buy gonna it. have to find an artist. Yeah, I think people know that when you're starting out, they might give you a break, or I don't know how it works. Honestly, I haven't ever kickstarted a game artists. or tried to commission an artist of which I didn't know who he was or who they were. So art and the setting is very important because if you have a really good artist who can who can envision and put down your setting on paper, then that could really help you out as far as selling books and, and getting your name out there. I was talking about space opera. It was a lot of line art, which was the only art that really was happening in, in the 80s. And uh, it was really well done. I mean, some of it, it was really nice. and But you can't compare that art to the art that's happening today. That's correct. But you don't have to when you're looking at, when you're talking about the setting of the game, not only the art, but you're going to read the back of the book or the first few pages to see what the setting is. And and there's a lot that can go on with going from somebody picking up your book and then taking that book to the cash register register and buying it. So setting. So settings have to be pretty imaginative, I think. They have to be pretty, what is it, uh, different sometimes. I think if you're going to, have a setting that's exactly like D&D. People are going to say, well, why don't I just play D&D? Unless, unless it's the rules that you're looking for. So we go from setting to rules. Now, in every game that I mentioned from Cyberpunk, that's why I mentioned those four, Cyberpunk, Dark Conspiracy, Space Opera, and Shadowrun. And when we get to the rules part, that's when things kind of get kind of hazy, whether it's good or not. A lot of people complain about those rules, each of those set of rules from being terrible to non-playable from what I heard from Space Opera to just difficult and clunky. To me, having rules that sort of make sense or in a certain way that that makes sense to me obviously helps to be able to play that game. Well, the Space Opera rules, you you took them and played with them. <laughs> well, I, th- I, think, I think Space Opera or any other game, you can make it work, right? You can make it playable but it, it might might take some tinkering because uh space opera i mean space opera came out i think it actually i thought it was 1981 but it actually was published in 1980 just a year earlier than i thought and that's pretty early and and it's only three years after traveler it's uh, six years after D was published so it's i think role playing was still in its infancy and it was a and publishing those games were like it was a small business. I mean, you could see where it was typewritten and, and, and stuff like that. 
uh, at least you know space opera was and there's typos that weren't fixed because it probably was just they missed it they missed it or it was just too costly to fix the whole page just for one bad e and or a at the end you'd the have word to the. retype the whole page right because they you know they, it wasn't done on a word processor like you know just a year a mere few years later and it was a small press fantasy games unlimited was a small very small publishing company that guy who i think his name is scott bazaar is the publisher he would just go to people and say yeah i'll I'll publish a game so the rules actually matter right some rule sets are really popular like there's the fate core rule set there's uh the funky dice system i think they call it they even came out with the genesis it's called the which is the generic rule set there's savage worlds there's well there's the d20 i don't know what you call the D D one fifth edition rule set which is like really really uh catching on because I talked about it before it's kind of reminiscent of the whole d20 craze where everybody who wants to put out a rule set will really consider putting out a fifth edition edition of it because, because people seem to like that, it, because, that edition yeah and it's name recognition right? right so i was like i was just thinking that i told you i I'm, I, I haven't done any kickstarters lately all my kickstarters are old but but for example uh when i was looking at kickstarters in the summer there was uh, two cyberpunk ki- kickstarters there was low life and uh there was three actually there was uh one with the tv show i forgot the name of the tv show and uh, anyway, so there was at least three Kickstarters with Cyberpunk, and two of them were using the fifth edition rules. Uh, there was this game called just just right now just published called Spy Spy Game, the Spy Game, and I I was like oh because I like I would like a nice espionage game you know an interesting espionage game so I looked into it and I go oh it's fifth edition and I'm like I don't know if fifth edition could do you know spies and stuff and modern weapons, and so it's extremely popular. There's a you know there was a uh, a post-apocalyptic game that I was looking at. Then I go, oh, it's in fifth edition, and and not that I hate fifth edition, but I'm you like, do like fifth edition. I do like fifth edition, but I'm like, I don't think like I've said this before. I don't think fifth edition can do every single genre well, and that's the only complaint I had about that. So rules is really important. You think that fifth edition is pretty easy and and works really well. So do I. Could work mm-hmm. enough in in the cyber. I also genre. like the the new the newer rules like, well, not that fifth edition is not new, but um, <laughs> the two d twenty system like uh, Conan oh, Modifius. and Modifius, yeah. and then I I like the free league um, oh, yeah, systems, the dice pool system. systems, right. especially Alien, which we played recently again, and I died. <laughs> we all think but, we all died, did we? Yeah, no, I think, oh, I think you, somebody survived. Yeah, was it me? It was Shannon, I think. Oh, that bastard! He always maybe. Dies. I don't remember. You now. guys flew off, I, but one of you, one of you. I don't know what happened. Something <laughs> happened at the ring. Yeah. <laughs> well, as for usual, right? It's alien. So what can you expect? But I do like those systems where you are putting where the in in the freely the is the one where you where, but um, John Carter on Mars was the same. Where you have your attributes and your skills, and they go together to right. give you the dice pool. I really, that's pretty cool. Well, in in the uh, flea league, they give you a dice pool. In uh, in Modifius, you get a target number that you got to roll. That under, yes, under. That's right. Right, and you're right. I do like certain systems, and certain systems I I just bought. I mean, certain games I just bought because, oh, it's a 2D system. Uh, one of them was Alien. You know, I had never played Alien, obviously. I pre-ordered it, 
and uh well, that has to do with your your love of that particular genre <laughs> yeah that's true i did yeah you're right and i i pre-ordered the star trek mainly because i thought you would like it and i think you'd like the star trek game oh absolutely yeah so we actually have to play more star trek yes uh so you're right something so he never really says some systems are absolutely once you get to know them or you, there's some aspects of them that you like and you will go and play those systems and seek games that use that system. For example, the 2D20 system by Modifius, there was a couple games that that I bought that I knew the I knew the setting which was called Dishonored, which is based on a video game, and I had played the vi- and I had played the video game. I had played the video game cuz I had heard a review of it and it was really neat. It was, it was this weird it's kind of like a steampunk game clockwork game and i go oh and, and i played the video game and it was pretty cool and then i found out that they came out with a tabletop rpg and i'm like oh and then i heard that it was a 2d toy so i go oh wow i'll buy it right away played it yet i haven't run it yet but but it uses a 2d 20 system it's a little bit a little bit more slightly more complex than than john carter because there's these uh these traits that give you special powers or special abilities but other than that, it, it's less complicated than Conan and, and the Mutant Chronicles. Like I said, I just went and bought that game because I liked the system and I had heard about the, the setting. And, you know, I'm not sure in that case which one came first, the setting or the rules, right? Because I'm like, I had played the setting, but I was, I might have bought them almost at the same time. That doesn't surprise me in the least. <laughs> but there's some games that I just you know you buy. So you bought those because of the rules and not the setting, right? I think the setting was uh, the the setting was or as, as the secondary re- re- reason because I I go well I really like the rules because I think it could do this kind of setting well. So then you have totally turned yourself around from how you said the setting was the most important, and then the rules in this particular right. instance because you really like the rules for the other games. Right. That had those rules. I take a chance on something that I have no idea. Sometimes, he says. <laughs> I have no. <laughs> I've got like 600 books in this room that, that differ with not, that. I would, uh, yeah. I don't think it's 600 books. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's probably over. Well, as soon as we move my son's computer out of our living room, which it's been here since he was a child, since he shouldn't put a computer in, your, in the child's room when they're small. Probably could get in trouble. I could see another bookcase coming up right right where That is not what I was seeing at all. <laughs> and it would free up a lot of space. <laughs> well, because I got to get some of these. Anyway. Uh, some of these bookcases where I can get access to them. Anyway. When we play, when we look at games, and I and and I, I was going to mention uh, Liminal, right? Oh, Liminal, yes. Right. And I, I had no idea what, what the rule set was like. But I saw the, when I saw the cover art, uh, the... And then I go, oh, the, it's, then the setting is this modern-day urban fantasy, a la Dresden Files and anything along those lines, right? And I'm like, this one is specifically located in London, or England, I should say, which is kind of problematic for me because I'm not It's not English. very geographic. Well, no, but I've never been there. I don't know, what, and stuff like that. I'm not English, for one, and so being able to convey that feeling of an English game and setting of a place I've never been, but then again, I've never been to Mars, never been in space, so maybe I can probably wing it. Or Forgotten Realms. Wing it, right? So I bought it, and I took a chance, and it's a really nice game. I I really like it. I I think we did a whole episode on it. 
and uh, and the rules are 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 nice too. Right, and then what was really it was funny? Two D six, right? Yeah, it was like it's kind of like a mo- it's kind of like a, it's oh, a modern traveler, a modern right. traveler or modified traveler. And I never thought I never thought that those kind of rules would be so could be so fun to to play in. I always I always thought that traveler was oh the the, uh, the setting is great but the rules are kind of eh, right and you kind of felt that way too with the whole chart because you're kind of anti-chart in i'm not sense. anti-chart <laughs> charts are just really difficult sometimes okay right right so that's what i'm talking about so when we tried it when i when i read the rules and i looked at it, I go wow this is this is really easy i can see how why he would pick this rule these this rule set and it worked one of the important things to remember these days is that new games are trying to appeal to the new gamers and the simpler the rules are and i don't mean that in a in a bad way the less complicated or crunchy that they are makes it easier for new people to learn them and get into the gaming right where unlike the old old guys like saul who have (laughs) played all the games or pretty close at least some of the genres, because there's so many out there. I don't think you could play all of them. Yeah. But to people who've been in the hobby for a long time, crunchy isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just a it's just a way to do the game, right? And right. a lot of people like crunchy. We're, we're not crunchy yet, you know, anti-crunch. Right. <laughs> but you're right. I think certain people can like crunchy games, but you're right in a sense, in another sense is that to get newer players to new players to to latch on or to get into the hobby or to try the game and play the game, I think the simpler system is probably the easier system. I mean, the best system, and I think that's what I liked about Limino. And and when we played it, it was like, I don't know how how it was being re- before we even played how it was being received by my group. Right, the people who were playing are like, oh yeah, sure, we'll try it. And then when we played it, they're like, oh yeah, let's play this one again because it was a because we played a, a complete one shot, and it wasn't supposed to continue, and then they're like, "Yeah, we could we play another game." I go, "Well, there's a lot of case files or case notes. There's a lot of little one shots that they have uh, created." So I ran another one, and it was a lot of fun. I think they they really enjoyed themselves. Yes, and we're not very good investigators, by the way. Which is what Limino is is an investigative game, right? So I think. I'm not going to say that my group is a bunch of murder hobos, but the, the, no, they're not. They're very into action oriented games, and liminal can be action oriented, but but uh, you'll die easily. But uh, <laughs> especially but, against vampires. But the main threat, the main thrust behind it is investigation. Yes. So, which is totally different than in a high heroic fantasy game. Investigation is a lot of fun, but as Sippy says, when you're investigating with a bunch of uh you know people that don't know what they're doing it <laughs> it baffles his brain what's funny is he says that and is partly true you guys were very successful in, in in solving the cases both of them yes but sometimes you know what was the i don't remember what the last investigation oh, was game. there three games that <clears throat> i ran no it was felipe's investigation game that we it was uh the one that we just played that felipe just ran it was um the steampunk one Victoriana. <laughs> it was like banging your heads against the wall trying to figure out the clues. <laughs> Literally. 
Well, there's just. I mean, we did it. We we did, but we showed up late to everything. Although, like the adventure could have been written that way, and then it of might course have been. we didn't do what what we were supposed to. We had to go around and do it our own way, according to Felipe. I wasn't uh, paying attention to how we were doing things. I just thought that's just bad timing, or I really thought that the adventure was written that way. And but he was working. Well, well he was working with a pre-published adventure, but. Uh, Victoriana is probably published uh, 10 years ago, so I don't know how old that adventure is. I think modern adventures are a little bit less. Well, Liminal is pretty cool because you can actually Google stuff on your phone while you're playing the game. <laughs> you're in the real in modern, modern world, world right? right? And... I, I think I even mentioned that in the, in the previous episode where people were asking for information. I go, well, just, uh, I go, how are you going to find it? Well, I'm going to research it. I go, okay, well. Pick up your phone and Google it, I guess. And they're like, really? Like, they, they, you know, it was so funny. It because... added a totally different aspect to yes, the game. It really did. Yeah. It really did. And I was just, I was just really, that really sold me on the game. At least on the, on the people who wrote these adventures, who obviously had thought about that when, when they wrote down or came up with the idea of the game. Like the one about the ghost of Glencoe. Yeah. Right. When I read the adventure, I didn't, I didn't know about Glencoe. I just thought Glencoe was just a location. Did you read that article that I told you to read in the Scotland magazine? Uh, no, I don't think so. You got to read it. And then and then what happened was I was like, oh, I go, I should get a map of this place, right? So I Google it, and in the Google, in the Google article. <laughs> On the internet. In the internet, in the Googles, there was this thing that related to the story about Ghost of Glencoe. It was a real story. It was a real story, and I'm like, Oh, and this is gonna be fantastic because I was just looking for a map of the of a town to see if it was like how it was laid out, and it was beautifully laid out, right? Just perfect. So Other like, than the horrible Scottish accents that the boys tried to put on, <laughs> it was a great it was a great game. Oh, I gotta dig that one out because I think I recorded. I re- usually record all our sessions on Zoom, but I hope I did that one because that would been hilarious. I might post them somewhere. It was pretty good. It was it was a lot of fun. So the setting is really important. Right. And the rules are, I don't think they're secondary because I think you got to have the good setting and good rules or at least be able to work with the rules, which all of the guys that I play with, right. they're all very much into the rules, not necessarily the rules as written, but they want to understand how it's going to work by playing the game with the rules that are there. Well, some people like the rules as written idea. <laughs> Some people just like to figure out the rules, too. You're right. Remember, we have that discussion about some travel rule that nobody could figure out. The, but Felipe put his foot down. To a certainty. <laughs> well, but well, it was, it was... But he wasn't running the game. <laughs> he wasn't it was hilarious. <laughs> he walked away when they were arguing about it. When he came back, he goes, no, this is the way we've always played it. <laughs> matching the rule. Th- there is that, too, though. There is that matching the, the rules to the game. And see how it fits, right? I, right. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can give an example of a system that just doesn't fit. Well, you took the Dresden book, the Dresden role-playing game, and and you put your own rules or modified the rules. Well, the, okay. So, <laughs> so uh, Dresden Files has its own game produced. I don't know when, but it was before Fate Core came out, and it's a huge book, and it has a ton of rules, right? All kinds. I could never, I never quite figured out how to run that game using those rules, which didn't stop him in the least. That's true. That just did. He just I... 
decided that he'd but run with his own rules. But then Fate Core came out, and I really liked those rules because they were a, a pared-down version of the Fate system where these are the only skills there are. There's like 12, maybe 16 skills compared to like 30 skills of this other, of all, any game because Fate games, they would come up with their own skill sets, right? The, school, the skills. I used that to run my Dresden games, the Fate Core, and... Then they came out with Fate Accelerated Dresden Files, an actual game book called Dresden Files using the Fate Accelerated version, which is even a more pared down version of their other other Fate system. And I have never, I don't have that. I have it in PDF. It looks really neat. It looks like it'd be super fast. I've never ran or played in a Fate Accelerated game compared to a Fate Core game, which is a little bit more crunchy. And I think it would work well. I just haven't done it lately. I haven't ran Dresden Files in a while. So I think what Saul is telling us is that <laughs> the setting is very important. Yes. The rules are very important. Right. But if there's a setting that you really, really like and you buy it and you don't like the rules, adjust them right. and use your own rules or not necessarily homebrewed rules, but the rules that you use, like if you're really into fifth edition, use fifth edition. Right. If you're really into fake core, use fake core or something that you know, like if you know the 2D6 system or the 220. 2d20 system or, or whatever. whatever in fact i did that right when i when uh i really like that show a uh, carnival row yes right and it, it, it came out with a free rpg but they were using the cypher system the multi cook cypher system the system they use for numenera and stuff like that and it didn't feel right to it you. didn't feel right to me so i went and changed it and and made up my own 13-page, 15-page rules using uh, Free League's uh, dice pool system. And and I, I ran that, remember that investigative game, that yes. one shot that yes. took three days? <laughs> yes. But it, but you're right. That's exactly what I did. I mean, if, if you don't like the the rules, then you could use something else instead. If you like the setting, yeah. Right. So I guess all is correct. The setting is very important. The rules are also very important. So when you're out looking for new RPGs or old RPGs, when you're looking for them, you can find a setting that you like and hopefully the rules work with it. And if not, you just adjust it the way you want to, because that's part of the role playing tabletop role playing game experience, right? You are the GM and... Right. And a lot of role players are known for their tinkering, their house ruling. Yeah, because a lot of people don't like the way the rules are written. A lot of people do like the way the rules are written. And I'm neither for nor against it. It's just tell me what I need to roll. I think that's important. Anytime you change rules, no matter what game you're playing. You need to let your players you know that. Players because know. a lot of them read those rules. Right. And they're like, oh, no. The, the rules doesn't just, say that. Oh, but I changed that rule. Oh. I want to see how. And I love this. This is one of my favorite things that Morgan and they say. I want to see how the combat rules work. And then they, and then as we get to a combat, we slow down like into, into slow-mo and we figure out what, how the combat rules are going to work. And that is the most interesting thing. And the other boys do that too. Right. And so it makes it, it makes it a very, very interesting uh, experience. Yes. So there you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day. (laughs) 